This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio, episode 108 for Thursday, September 22nd, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, a couple of things this week with the housekeeping that I wanted to address. Um, last week, I tried simulcasting with Mixler, and the final product, while it was clear there was a noticeable audio clicking that was going on, I've been in contact with Mixler the last couple of days trying to straighten it out see where it came from. I don't know if it's on their end or on my end. I was going to do a test broadcast to see where the bugs were, but I decided that there just wasn't enough time and between show notes and show prep and a whole bunch of other real-world shit that happened, I did not get a chance to, but I am simulcasting on Mixler, so if anybody is using it, they can let me know after the fact how it sounds. I actually posted a Mixler link on our Facebook fan page for people to listen to the show live that way. I'm sure it's already on Twitter, etc., etc., etc. So we are going to continue to test the simulcast out until we figure out all the little bugs. But you can listen to the show through the usual outlets, of course, on Blog Talk Radio's page. You can also go to MyTakeRadio.com and click that Listen tab on the top, and you'll be able to hear the player in there and listen to the show directly on the site. Lastly, and I tend to forget about reminding people about this, you can stream recorded shows with our Stitcher app, and you can also get the shows with the MyTake Radio app that you can find on iOS and Android. The Stitcher app is a little different, though, because you can actually stream the show without having to load it onto your device. So if you have a Stitcher app on Android or or your iOS device and you don't have access to iTunes, you can stream the show that way. And you'll also get access to a couple of other great shows, like from Joe Rogan. Um, Wow, I have a brain fart. Joe Rogan's on there. Uh, Kevin Smith, Adam Carolla, a lot of great guys on there that we share airspace with on Stitcher. So definitely check that out if you want to stream the show locally. Also, Handel reminded me, and and I forget this a thousand times, you can actually call into the Call in number 347-324-3541 and listen to the show via the phone if you are interested in contributing to the show, at which point then you would hit the number one and you would be put in the switchboard. But 
You can also listen to it via the phone, and I know quite a few listeners do that. I don't know why I don't mention it every week, but shit slips through the cracks. I'm sorry, guys. All right. With that out of the way, we have a few things I wanted to discuss. We have a new writer starting next month. His name is Ben. He's going to be covering MMA and a couple of other things starting October 1st. He'll be working with us for 30 days on a probationary period for, you know, just for trial purposes. And then he'll become full-time, uh, full-fledged member of the staff by in November or sooner, depending on how well he performs. I'm sure, given his views on MMA I've seen thus far, he'll be a perfect fit with our uh, ragtag group of misfits that we got here working at MTR. And... Um, I'm really looking forward to see what he has to offer. But with that said, we are still looking for writers on the comic side of things. And also, I need a little a little assistance on the tech side only because there's way too much shit going on and I don't have enough hours in the day to write about it all. So if you are interested, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Writing sample, tell us a little bit about yourself, and we can work something out. Uh, the other thing, I launched two new tabs while well, I redesigned the guest inquiry page. If you're interested in being a guest, you can just fill out the form there and we can get in touch with you and set something up. But we are also offering uh, ad space during the show. Usually you hear the commercials from our friends at VGN, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Born Stubborn, WGS Radio, um, MMA Valor, MMA Gospel, all of our friends. And I, I love promoting their stuff, but we also want to get a couple of mainstream advertisers in here only because Bill's got to get paid, folks. <laughs> so if you are interested in promoting your site, brand, show, game, etc., fill out the form for that and we'll get in touch with you. There is a price breakdown on the form if you are interested in advertising with MTR, broken up by audio ad, banner ad, combo of both segment sponsorship etc so you can check that out right on the site our content partners mma valor actually gave us their fight picks for this weekend's fights those are going to be going up later on this evening if you want to learn more about them head over to mmavalor.com and you can also check out their show the mma pulse podcast which actually relaunched recently on blog talk radio uh, josh is still working the bugs out of that but he has a really great presentation. The show is a quick 30 minutes, so if you want some quick MMA news from a reliable source, definitely hit up MMA Pulse, brought to you by MMA Valor. Our partners at Unveil will probably be with us for Comic-Con, and we are working on a new project, which I'm going to give you guys some details this week. Um, next month, for those of you that aren't aware, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and... I've said it on countless shows, you know, I lost my mother to breast cancer now 11 years ago and been a little bitter about it, but my stance on it has softened only because I don't want to see other people end up like, like I have or anybody else. And as such, we are working on doing something for that to raise money for breast cancer awareness for Susan Komen, and it's going to be a week-long event starting October 24th, that Monday, through that Friday, it's going to be reaching out to the video game community, also the MMA community as well. But anybody that wants to donate can. The page for that will probably go live. I'm hoping next week, maybe the first week of October, and you'll be able to start donating there. 
Um, it's not mandatory for you to participate in what the event is going to entail. So if you just want to donate, you are welcome to do so. This is something that I'm working with Unveil. Uh, we're probably going to have involvement from Middle Easy, uh, MMA Valor, probably Gamer Fit Nation, and a couple of other people are going to be involved in this project. It is not only a way of bringing our audience together with other gamers and um, other MMA fans, but it's also a, a way to give back. I don't want to do something community-based just to sit here and pat myself on the back and you know, give myself the stroke job about how great we are and how awesome an event we're going to put on. This is going to be for a good cause. It's going to be for charity, and it will be happening next month. It will be a one-week event, and the details in full will be revealed very soon. I, like I said, it's going to involve Susan Komen, and it's all going to a good cause. You don't have to give any money to My Take Radio. I'm telling you guys right now before you guys get all crazy and shit, because I know some of you guys are petty. Um about stuff like that and you, the money is going straight to Susan Komen we're only at doing the event and raising the money we don't hold any money we don't touch any money we want to make this as transparent as possible not only to make it easier for us but to make it easy for you guys as well so you know that the money's going directly to the organization that we're working with and we'll be working on giving you all the details like I said probably first week of October once the page v with susan coleman is finalized that's all i'm going to tell you guys about that but um we'll have more news coming soon for those of you that are listening that are involved please keep it under your hats until i let you guys know that it's okay to talk about it because you really don't want me to show up at your house with a hatchet and a shotgun it's not what i want to do so save yourselves that aggravation and keep it under your hat also the get glue check-ins i've noticed that we're doing really well with those i finally got an email from get glue about stickers and achievements you're going to have you may actually earn yourself a black rage sticker once i get the details finalized and the criteria required you will get your very own slick black rage sticker for checking into my take radio we're also working on a yeah man sticker and a what the f movie news sticker i'm just trying to figure out how to do that without offending anyone so there will be a wtf movie news seg uh, segment sticker there will be a black rage sticker i'm just trying to figure out how we're going to do it without having the naacp whoop my ass or al sharpton show up at my house so be on the lookout for that stuff um sticker designs for that are in progress i've been reaching out to a couple of different people for that so uh, i'm sure you guys will enjoy it and if you're get glue users it's our way of giving giving back for the support the My Take Radio t-shirts, the original designs, are going to go live probably over the weekend, I've decided. Um, real basic with the show design to show your support. And when we go to Comic-Con, we'll probably have a new type of t-shirt that the staff is going to wear just for the Comic-Con purpose. And we'll probably also do something for the charity event next month with proceeds of that also going probably to another charity um, maybe to live strong, who knows, we'll figure something out with that, but hopefully all the shirts will be up and running, at least the two original shirts will be back on this weekend, and we'll start putting stuff in our, in our store probably by mid-October, so that's what we got with that. My guest this week is nobody. We are running the show solo this week, no guests, 
um, only because I kind of need to recharge my batteries with regards to guests, only because I leave so much stuff on the table for the shows that we actually will be having guests next week. I'll be joined by Weasel and 6OK from the 15 Minutes of Game podcast, and also uh, 6OK works on the uh, is working on the upcoming tower defense game Orcs Must Die, which is coming out on the Xbox 360. We're going to talk about that. He is, I believe, the community manager for that as well, so we're going to talk Orcs Must Die next week. We're going to talk about video games and community management for video games. So there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff with those guys. I'm really looking forward to speaking to them. Big fans of theirs. If you want to do your homework and learn about them, head over to their site. It's 15minutesofgame.com. You can also look for 15 Minutes of Game on iTunes and learn about them there. Our MTR Behind and Beyond the Mic features exclusive for our Stitcher and app users are going to get some new updates within the next two weeks. We got some new interviews in the works uh, with multiple gaming personalities, and we also got some stuff on the Beyond the Mic side with some tech personalities that will be probably launching in two weeks once all the editing is taken care of. And for some odd reason, I feel like I'm losing my voice. I hope I'm not. But that's pretty much the rundown of that. And lastly, the MTR forums are going to be purged of inactive accounts September 30th. I actually had a discussion with a friend of mine with regards to the use of the forums. And we were talking about the possibility, and he just he mentioned it to me about just doing away with the forums. Um, it's not something I want to do. I think that the forum community is still out there, and I think that the amount of activity that can happen in the forums and the freedom afforded in forums is there. It's just that with the, with the constant use of Facebook and Twitter and Formspring and all kinds of shit, it almost feels like the forum, the forum medium is dying. So I'm working on making some enhancements to the forums, trying to add some new stuff, but... As of right now, we're going to purge inactive accounts at the end of the month, and uh, we're going to then figure out if we are going to keep the forums or if we're going to go back into the lab and come up with something new. Like I said, right now, we're, we're on the fence. If you're interested in stopping by the forums, joining in on the conversations, it's mytakeradio.com slash forums for that. So that's all the housekeeping. Let's talk about some of tonight's topics. We're going to talk... A lot of UFC stuff. We got a lot of wrestling stuff. So we got the Ultimate Fighter that started Wednesday. We got UFC Fight Night that happened Saturday. We got Night of Champions, Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor, Monday Night Raw. And we got all the gaming news. We got some movie news as well. We got a couple of of what-the-fuck movie news in there. And I've actually given thought to just changing the movie segment to either the entertainment segment or the movie and TV <clears throat> excuse me movie and TV segment only because there's so much other shit happening on the TV side of things that needs to be addressed whether I pull the trigger on that remains to be seen and um, I think that's it now the opening monologue for this week which I had a couple of topics in mind I wanted to talk about the uh, the Troy Davis situation which I was going to talk about, but I realized that that's really delving into a lot of crazy shit and opening up uh, some really different wounds when it comes to people's opinion on the death penalty. <clears throat> on the death penalty, 
And with that, I decided to go in another direction and discuss an article I came across today. Um, it was written by Laura June, and it was regarding what happened with the recent launch of the DC-52 storylines that have come out. And she was citing two particular books, number one, Red Hood and the Outlaws, and the other, Catwoman number one. And the funny thing about it is that the reason that she wrote this article is because in Catwoman number one, you guys won't believe this, Catwoman actually has sex with Batman in the book, which is crazy. Like, like real, like, holy shit, they're fucking on a rooftop type shit. And there's also some, uh, a lot of sexual innuendo in Red Hood and the Outlaws regarding Starfire, which, um, again, very, very, not very upfront, but just very interesting the way it got laid out. And the reasons are because when she was writing this article, and it wasn't Laura June, excuse me, it was Laura Hudson. I apologize for that. Um, in reading the article, I totally understood where she was coming from. I actually read Catwoman number one earlier this afternoon, and I was pretty shocked at seeing that as well. Only because in all my years of reading comic books and working in comic stores, there's always been that gray area regarding sexuality in comic books most times when there was excessive sex or violence usually that was relegated either to the adult section or to titles that focused on that comic book violence in general has mostly been tamed with tame with regards to marvel and dc there are instances where crazy shit happens but it's not to the point where it can raise any red flags and even if it did it's it's something that's the norm in the Marvel Universe. I mean, there was one comic with Wolverine. I think it was Ultimate Wolverine versus Ultimate Hulk, where the Hulk actually had a harem of women when Wolverine came to visit him. And they got into a little scrap, and he ripped Wolverine in half. So a couple of things were, were displayed there. Number one, the Hulk is a pimp. Number two, Wolverine got ripped in half, and he was still talking shit which is to be expected. And you look at it and you enjoy the book and move on. Now with the Catwoman and you know and the Red Hood and the Outlaws, it almost seemed like they were going out of their way to focus on the sexuality and the innuendo in the books. When you look at the Catwoman book, the first couple of panels was pretty much uh Catwoman running around running around in bra and panties trying to get her costume on and you didn't even get to see her face really. You just saw tits and Catwoman costume, which is fine, but I just feel that the way the entire situation was handled with these two books screamed of uh, teenage boys writing these books as opposed to grown-ass men. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't really give a shit that Batman and Catwoman were having sex because people have sex every day. And even in comics, if people have relationships, they don't magically not fuck it's i'm sorry as crass as it sounds that it, look every there's there's fucking going on in comics folks accept it there's sex happening there's shit that they're not putting in panels because you know you obviously don't want to get into that type of a of a demographic but it happens there there's even been instances now with uh spider-man comics where Spider-Man's in a relationship with Black Cat, and it's funny that they show them in bed together in a couple of panels. Spider-Man still has his mask on, and, you know, Black Cat is still 
in, in Black Cat regalia, and Spider-Man's like, yo, I gotta go. So they're they're really starting to open up those floodgates of of just sex in comics, which is fine. I just feel that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. I think that the whole Spider-Man and Black Cat thing was good, and um, it was well done. It 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 focused on Spider-Man's strengths and his comedic timing, which was fine. But on the Batman and Red Hood and the Outlaws deal, it was a bit more over the top than I expected, and I just don't think people were ready for that. I, I mean, I Batman. If you don't think that Batman is getting laid by half the DC universe, you're insane. Because he, he's a millionaire playboy in his alter ego, and he has countless hot women always trying to get at him. Either either Talia and the League of Shadows, or Catwoman, it's there, and Batman's a guy. That's what happens. I just feel that there is, in some ways, a double standard being exhibited. And, you know, Laura Hudson elaborated on that in her article... And I'm going to post a link for that in the show notes. But you can probably head over to ComicsAlliance.com and check it out there. And like I said, it, people were very torn about the way she handled it. I actually saw a couple of guys like, you know, man, why are you bitching about it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you're, if you're a grown-ass man defending superheroes having sex in comics you got a lot more underlying issues than just what's going on in a couple of panels because while it is what it is and it's something that i feel is acceptable i don't like the fact that it's outright in your face because comic books are still a medium that can be picked up by kids you can still wander into a store and buy a comic book with mature subject matter and most comic shop retailers won't even bat an eyelash Unless it's, you know, Penthouse Pets or Faust, which is a really graphic and ultra-violent comic, which I'm particularly a fan of, <laughs> I might add, or something like that. Most times, kids walk in, they buy books, and they walk right out, and they keep it moving. And that's not to say that the children are naive, because between MTV and all this other shit that's out there, there's sex all over the place. But it almost feels like, like comics are undiscovered country, and... To go into that and add that level of, of sexuality and innuendo, depending on the on the character, it may do more harm than good. Like I understand that with Starfire, they wanted to make her very forward. They wanted to show her as an aggressive female, and that's fine. But the way they went about it, you know, panels where she's like contorting herself, it's like, look, you're not contorting yourself and looking hot for the male character you're talking to in the book. You're making yourself look hot so some weirdo can jerk off to a comic book in his bathroom. Uh, that That's it. And once we get past that, I, I think that sexuality in comic books is okay. But don't make it something where you're providing spank material for some other fucking guys because it just doesn't work. And I gotta commend Laura Hudson for, for putting it out there. And she... She did get not attacked, but definitely some commentary was put out there about her opinions. But she did a, a great job with the article, and like I said, head over to ComicsAlliance.com and read it for yourself. Whether you adhere, whether you agree or disagree, let her know. And I definitely like to hear your opinions on it. You can email me or hit me on Twitter, and you know use the hashtag MTR Opening Monologue on Twitter or hit me up on email with with your thoughts because 
it's it's a very gray area, and I just think it could be handled a little bit better. All right. Now, we got a lot of MMA to cover, so let's just talk, get that out of the way quick, fast. All right. Figured since we broke back the Ultimate Fighter intro, I'll go through the Ultimate Fighter first instead of Ultimate Fight Night. Um, this season's coaches were Mayhem Miller and Michael the Count Bisping. A uh, couple of things about this season. This is going to be the last season on Spike TV, and they're going to be moving to probably FX in the fall or another Fox channel, but I believe it's going to be FX, and you're going to get... Uh, a completely new revamp ver- revamped version of the show, allowing people to vote on the fights, etc. Um, I did notice, and I am getting a little bit of feedback in my headphones, I think that that MMA intro sounded like shit. So if it did, I apologize, and fuck you, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, moving on. The coaches for this season, like I said, were Bisping and Miller. They had their assistants with them. Uh, Bisping had Tiki Goshen with him. Uh, he also had Razor Rob and um, Mayhem had CR the Killer on there, Ryan Parsons, uh, Danny Perez. And let me tell you, this season, Bantamweights and Featherweights, 145s, uh, 135s and 145s, serious, serious fights this season. On the Bantamweight side, you had, um, you had a really assorted amount of talent that just wanted to be there one of the things i noticed over the last few seasons of the ultimate fighter is that it it was almost like you just wanted to survive the tv experience and then win the contract you weren't really trying to give the viewers exciting fights you either focused your your energies on the drama with the coaches or you focused your energy on one particular fighter it happened with Rampage, it's happened with Kimbo Slice, it's happened with Junie Browning, um, not so much with Chris Lieben and those guys, but definitely in the later seasons there was some animosity in there, Hendo and Bisping, to an extent it was focused on those guys, um, and this season, not the case, they actually brought back you having to fight your way into the house, which I'm a huge fan of, and let me tell you, the fights were fantastic. The bantamweights kicked it off. Josh Ferguson and Casey Dyer, uh, quick, quick and painless. It ended with um, Josh Ferguson coming in, taking Casey to the ground. Vicious ground and pound. Herb Dean jumped in, had to save the day on that one. Josh Ferguson goes into the house. Uh, Diego Brandao and Jesse Newell, um, again, awesome fight. Um, Brandao came out of there with a with a diving elbow, which was compared to Dan Henderson to finish the fight. Fantastic performance there. John Dodson and uh, Brandon Merkt was really good, and um, every fight going through the seat through the entire episode was solid. A couple of fights, like I said, that I really liked was the uh, the Brandao and Jesse Newell fight. Uh, the Dennis Bermudez and Jimmy Rivera fight was really good. Um, BJ Ferguson and Roland DeLorme was a pretty solid fight also. 
Ju- just a great triangle submission to close that out. Um, Carson Beebe and Johnny Bedford was good as well. A lot of great knockouts, ground and pound, and submission wins from so many of these guys. I think that the bantamweights and featherweights are coming in there, not taking any prisoners. Um, Eric Marriott and Brian Caraway was pretty good. Um, not exactly the barn burner, but just an exciting fight overall, just because the amount of energy that was being put out there, especially from Marriott. Caraway was definitely trying to take that first round with submissions, but he ended up securing the win via unanimous decision. Josh Clopton and Dustin Neese was pretty good as well. And I'm not going to run the entire card of fights because there were way too many, but I will tell you this. When they ended it and they showed some of the highlights of the season, you had a lot of pranks. You had a lot of fucking around. You had people running around naked. You had a lot of ass-whooping threats. There were some donkeys dressed up in fucking jerseys. It was almost a throwback to some of the really good seasons of The Ultimate Fighter because you want a little bit of comedy. You want a little bit of uh, you know animosity between the coaches, but you don't want the shows to focus on it. I'm really pumped for this season. It's going to be the last one, and I think that the UFC is going to go out with a bang and give the fans something really great. And like I said, bantamweights and featherweights, they're fast. They got serious submission and KO power. And Bisping is, I know Mayhem is going to work his hardest to get under Bisping's skin. And there's going to be a couple of times when those guys are going to get pulled apart. They've already showed it, and I'm super pumped. So if you want to catch The Ultimate Fighter, it's on Spike TV Wednesdays. Um, I think this this particular episode was at 9, and it's going to be Wednesdays at 10. Um, definitely check your listings for that. And like I said, support the last season of The Ultimate Fighter. If you're not an MMA fan and you want to get into the sport, The Ultimate Fighter is a good way to see a lot of great fights on free TV. So do yourselves a favor and check it out. On Saturday, we had Ultimate Fight Night 25. The main event was Jake Shields versus Jake Ellenberger. Um... I'm not going to go through all the fights only because you guys already know the results, but I will tell you that on the Spike TV side of things, Jonathan Brookins and Eric Koch was, I expected it to be a quick fight with a quick submission on behalf of Brookins, but Koch looked really good in there and he ended up taking the unanimous decision. The Court McGee and Donnie Yang fight was also good, but again, another decision. But Shields and Ellenberger, I expected Shields to come in there, especially after his loss to GSP. I know he was super emotional with the uh, with the passing of his father, which I'm sure played out, you know, played in the back of his mind. And there was never a moment where he was going to withdraw from this fight. So I applaud him for, you know, his dad passing recently and him growing, you know, handling his business and going in there. Jake Ellenberger, though, animal. Came in, finished the fight in round one with uh, with a ridiculous knee right to the to the chest of Jake Shields. At which point he crumbled, and Ellenberger just unleashed a barrage of punches. And what was funny about it was that a lot of people were like questioning the stoppage, but Jake Shields was was got caught with a flash knockout, and he and he actually tried to take down the ref. Like the ref actually had to stop him. That's how that's how vicious of a strike he got caught with. I think that Ellenberger's knees were were really good. He caught him in the chest, and he also got a knee in 
with that hit him square on the chin. So that's the one that actually crumbled shields. And then he went in and finished it with strikes. I was, I was pumped, man. I was pumped for the fight. I was very, I was very sad for Jake Shields losing. And, um, here's, here's the thing that I wanted to really put out there. And I've talked about this and De Silva in the chat will probably be agreeing with me when he hears this. I, Bloodstained Lanes mentioned it a lot of times. But I want to talk about briefly casual fans, hardcore fans, and UFC fans. Because there really are three classes of fans. There are the UFC fans that think that nothing is greater than the UFC, no other combat sport exists, no other MMA organization exists, no other fighters exist. It's, uh, it's to quote-unquote borrow a term from Bloodstained Lane, the, the, the Zufa zombie, if you will. These are the guys that that live and breathe UFC, they wear their tap-out shirts, and they will tell you that every UFC fighter is greater than any other fighter you've named. If you say, hey, let's talk about heavyweights, and they're like, yeah, man, you know, Brock Lesnar's the fucking truth, and Cain Velasquez is the man, and then you, you say, yeah, but you know, what about guys like Overeem, what about guys like Fedor, what about guys, oh, well, you know, Fedor is a fucking, he's garbage, son, and... and you see people that they just don't believe in other fighters. And the the worst part about those kind of fans are that they lose out on so many great fights from so many other organizations because they're so focused on only UFC business. Then you got the casuals that they watch a couple of fights here and there and they want to be armchair experts. They automatically They'll be the guy like, yeah, man, he was on the ground and he should have gone for a, for the choke, but he didn't. And then you got the diehards. The diehard fans are the fans that I really like talking to because those are the guys that they'll talk to you about Japanese MMA. They'll talk to you about Muay Thai. They'll talk to you about UFC stuff. They'll go into some Puro if they got it. If they got to talk some wrestling as well. And they'll even sometimes be well-versed in boxing. I like talking to fans like that because they understand all the different nuances that go into the sport, all the backstage shit, all the shit that you see on websites, and also they have a good relationship with just educating themselves on the fighters. And the reason I go, I went into this is because Jake Shields lost. And one of the most disheartening things I saw on Twitter were people like, oh, Jake Shields is a fucking bum. Jake Shields fucking sucks. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you're talking about a guy who was undefeated for a, for a good portion of his career. And his and the losses that he suffered are against grade A competition. So the fact that you can sit there and call this guy a bum or call this guy garbage, the guy went, f went into the cage with the, with, with the memory of his father hanging behind him. This guy came to the cage for every fight with his dad behind him. His dad was his manager, his supporter, and his friend. And when you lose that, it becomes something where you lose a portion of yourself because you need that reassurance. It happens. It happens to all of us. Anybody that sits there and tells you that your 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 biggest supporter not being there for a big event doesn't affect you psychologically in some shape way or form is completely full of shit and this involves not just fighting but any profession any profession where you have to go out there and you feel reassured that you have your your biggest supporter behind you whether you know 
For me, it was my mother. Now it's my wife. That's how it is. She's my biggest supporter. If I tell her I want to get in a cage and fight four lions to the death, she's going to be there and watch me fight them to the death. Even if I get murdered, she's going to be there. And you need that because when it's not there, you feel like a part of you is missing. So to go on Twitter and all of a sudden be an expert and be like, ah, Jake Shields had no heart. Jake Shields got beat up by fucking Ellenberger, who ain't shit either. It's like, until you get in a cage and put on a pair of four-ounce gloves and test yourself, nobody is afforded the, the opportunity of saying that kind of shit. It, it disgusts me. And like I said, I, I got to reference um, my buddy Bloodstain Lane on that because he says it. So, uh, you know, there's some fickle-ass, phony fans out there that cannot accept the sport for what it is and automatically got to either hop on bandwagons or just bury fighters and, and nobody should be in a position to do that until you put on a pair of gloves yourself so i wanted to just put that out there because i, I was heartbroken in seeing that especially with what the guy went through and the performance he gave and Ellenberger's no slouch this is a guy that that you'll probably be seeing in title contention within the next three fights guaranteed even within the next two after the performances he's had and against a, a guy like shields who who lost only recently to gsp come on man don't, don't don't do that don't discredit the guy's ability by saying that he's a fucking bum who the fuck are you to say that but that's gonna wrap up ultimate fight night 25 let's get into some mma news uh first off bobby lashley for, for those of you that don't know, Bobby Lashley originally was signed with Strike Force. He fought in some smaller leagues. Um, he lost against Chad Griggs. Some people are saying that Chad Griggs broke his spirit. Bobby Lashley left Strike Force, went back to the drawing board, and it's been announced recently that he signed with Shark Fights. Um, Bobby Lashley and Shark Fights agreed to a three fight deal. They haven't announced when his first fight will be, but they're saying that it may be taking place in November. Now, the funny thing is that Bobby Lashley is a talented, talented wrestler. I just feel that he hasn't yet mastered the fundamentals of MMA, and I think that the mental game with regards to the sport just hasn't sunk in yet. I think this is a guy that was afforded a huge opportunity by coming into Strike Force right away and didn't get that right amount of seasoning and training to round himself out as a fighter. Which is unfortunate because Bobby Lashley has the potential to be a main eventer in any promotion he's in, strictly on his wrestling pedigree alone. His striking definitely needs a little bit of work, but his wrestling game is top-notch. Top and much like Brock Lesnar, if you groom this guy correctly, he can be the face of your organization. It's, it's really sad to see where how far, not how far he's fallen, but just to see where he is in regards to the fight game. Because I expected to see him in the UFC already, and them finding a way to do a Lashley versus Lesnar main event, only because that's something that people would definitely pay money to see. Um, we'll see how he pans out in shark fights. I think that if he does good, maybe the UFC will give him a look. Speaking of the UFC, we got a lot of fight cards that got finalized. Uh, Mark Hominick and Chan Sung Jung were just signed for UFC 140, which is going to be sick. Uh, UFC 140, December 10th, Air Canada Center in Toronto. I know De Silva will be in the arena, around the arena, um, spying on the arena. I'm sure he's going to be in there doing his thing, and I'm looking forward to hearing his experience on the event. Uh, Frank Mir and 
Nogueira are your main event. Little Nog and Tito Ortiz are your co-main event. Brian Ebersole and Rory McDonald are fighting on that card. Hominick and Chan Sung Jung. Mark Bocek and, L- and Nick Lentz. Rich Antonito and Claude Patrick. John Cholish is on that card against Mitch Clark. And Dennis Hallman versus John McDessie. I think that any event in Canada is guaranteed money for the UFC. Um, I think Tito and Little Nog and Mir and Big Nog are going to be fantastic fights. And Hominick and Chan Sung Jung is a fight that I can almost guarantee will be right up there either as a fight of the night or probably a submission of the night. Regarding some fight night bonuses from this weekend, $55,000 bonuses were handed out. Jake Ellenberger got knockout of the night. It's a no-brainer. Uh, submission of the night went to TJ Wahlberger, and fight of the night went to Matthew Riddle and Lance Benoist. $55,000 to each of those fighters for their performances. In some Strike Force news, you got Strike Force challengers tomorrow night on Showtime. If you want some free MMA and you got some Showtime, definitely. If you got Showtime, definitely check them out. They got some great fights on there. Ryan Couture is going to be fighting son of Randy the Natural Couture. He's going to be meeting Maka Watson. Uh, Jason High and Todd Moore on there. Uh, Brian Melancon and Felipe Portella. Lorenz Larkin is going to be in your main event against Nick Rossborough. And then LeVar Johnson is going to be taking on Sean Jordan. There was originally scheduled to be a women's match as well between Julie Kedzie and Jermaine Durandamy. But unfortunately, Julie Kedzie got injured, so they did scratch that fight off the card. Taking its place, though, is going to be a, a fight between Quinn Mulhern and Danny Davis. That'll probably be on the show's prelim card, which has Magno Almeida versus James Terry, Bobby Green versus Sharon Spain, and Joe Ray versus Chris Spang. Those are going to be the prelims for Strike Force Challengers. In some UFC event news, we got UFC 139 it has been completely blown out of the water with some of the changes that happened with this card. I am super pumped. That's going to be November 19th at the Shark Tank in San Jose, California. And the reason being that I'm really pumped about this card is, number one, one of one of our former guests and a, and a friend of mine, Kung Lee, will be fighting on that card. He was scheduled to be fighting Vanderlei Silva. I mean, uh, he was scheduled to fight Vitor Belfort. Belfort got injured. He will now be meeting the axe murderer, Vanderlei Silva. This is a... A huge fight for both fighters, Lee, obviously, because he's fighting in front of his hometown crowd in the Shark Tank, and it's also going to be his UFC debut, but for Vanderlei, it's a huge fight, only because he's coming off some really devastating knockout losses, and the spotlight is on him, where this may be the last time we see the axe murderer in the cage if he loses, Um I'm a huge, I, pride, pride never die is something I always talk about, pride fighting is one of the craziest displays of mixed martial arts I've ever seen. It's given us so many great household names from Vanderlei to Rampage, Shogun, the Nogueras, Fedor. I can go down a list, Crow Cop, of just great fighters that come that have come out of pride. So to see Vanderlei there and it, and it possibly being a match where if he loses, he, he may be nudged to retire is huge for me. Um, the main event also has... The crazy shit, which is Dan Henderson, who is the Strikeforce light heavyweight champion, makes his return to the UFC to take on Shogun in your main event. Now, this is crazy for a couple of reasons. Dan Henderson is still the Strikeforce light heavyweight champion. They haven't made any announcement about him vacating the belt. 
and he's meeting Shogun at 205. So really, really crazy shit going on with Strike Force. I almost feel like at this point, Strike Force is going to be very short lived. And if they do keep it around as a feeder league or as a women's organization, great. But Nick Diaz, Hendo, Overeem, all gone. All gone. So it's only a matter of time before they finish uh, raping and pillaging the rest of that roster and Showtime decides to phone it in. I really hope not, but it's looking more and more like it. Also on that card, you got Brian Bowles and Uriah Faber, Martin Campman versus Rick Story, Ryan Bader and Jason Brills, uh, Stephen Bonner and Kyle Kingsbury, and Chris Weedman is going to be taking on Tom Lawler. So that's going to be a fantastic card at the Shark Tank UFC 139. In some other MMA news this weekend, we got Strikeforce Challengers, which I talked about. We got the UFC Rampage and um, John Bones Jones, which is going to be crazy. But then in some Japanese MMA, we got the Dream Event, which is going to be taking place this Saturday, September 24th, at the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. But there's a catch if you want to see the Japanese MMA, and that is that you will be able to watch it on HDNet at 3 in the morning. Now, you're probably saying to yourselves, Rich, why are you even talking about this Japanese shit? Um, Number one, because there's some really great fighters on there, and the Japanese presentation is flawless. Number two, um, another friend of the show is fighting, and that's Razor Rob McCullough. He's been on the show before. Um, We're big fans of, of Rob. He's a cool dude. Um, super mellow. He's going over there to take on Shinya Aoki, who is a legendary jiu-jitsu practitioner, a huge star in Japan. It's going to be a non-title fight, but it will be the main event. Uh, MTR, of course, is pulling for Razor Rob. Um, Shinya Aoki is no slouch. Anybody that thinks that this is going to be an easy fight for Rob is fooling themselves, but I'm hoping that we can see Razor Rob pull up the upset here, because that would be huge. Also on that card, Joaquin uh, Joaquin Hansen and Kawajiri are going to be meeting. Um, Takeshi Inoue and Kaolono. You also got Sakuraba making his return. Willemi Ferre against uh, Kitoka. Gerald Harris is on there. Minoa is going to be fighting against Baru Harn, which is crazy. Antonio Banuelos, which is going to be part of the Bantamweight Grand Prix quarterfinal. He's going to be taking on Tokoro. Uh, Bibiano Fernandez is on that card. He's going to be taking on Takafumi Otsuka. That's another bantamweight Grand Prix quarterfinal match. Just a fantastic night of fights. 3 a.m. on HDNet. So do yourselves a favor and check that out if you want to see some Japanese MMA. In some other news, we obviously had talked the last couple of times about the Golden Glory camp. If you remember when I discussed them initially... They had some disagreements with the UFC, which caused the UFC to cut ties with the Golden Glory's roster of fighters, including uh, John Olav Inemo, Alistair Overeem, Marlos Kunin. Um, There was even concerns about uh, Sergei Haritanov as well. Well, it seems that all is not well in the Golden Glory camp, as Alistair Overeem announced via Twitter that he has left the Golden Glory camp. He released a statement as follows. I would like to make a statement regarding the recent news of separation from my longtime management company, Golden Glory. As with any relationship, there are good times and bad times. You have your common ground and your differences. As as with my relationship, you have trust. When differences lead to a breach of trust, there's no turning back and no way to continue a positive working relationship. 
I don't air my dirty laundry, and I would appreciate the respect regarding my privacy to not disclose any further details on this matter. Again, I would like to thank Team Golden Glory for all the years we worked together and wish them success in the future. Now, the crazy thing about that is Overeem leaves Golden Glory. John Olaf Inemo was re-signed by the UFC. So either he's still with Golden Glory and they've worked out their differences or he too has left them. Uh, there's rumors that uh, CR the Killer is also going to be signing with the UFC. And we also got Gokan Saki out there. We got a couple of Golden Glory guys. And it's it's very interesting to see that Alistair Overeem left Golden Glory and gets re-signed with the UFC. A lot of people are saying that you know the UFC had, had a hand in it. Some people are saying that there was just issues with the management. Who knows? But there is definitely a lot of trouble in the Golden Glory camp. A fight that I'm actually super pumped for, which was recently announced, was the former Strikeforce light heavyweight champion, Gegard Mousasi, is going to be taking on Ovis St. Prue, and that's going to probably be happening December 17th. It's rumored that that's going to be the final Strikeforce event for 2011. Hell, I think it may be the, the final Strikeforce event, period. Now, lastly, to wrap things up, you know that whenever fight week happens, a lot of crazy news come out. Dana White talks about a lot of shit, most of it good, most of it very informative, but he also goes into a, things that a lot of people are always curious about, and one particular thing that he elaborated on this week was the issues with Nick Diaz. Now, for those of you that don't know, Nick Diaz was originally scheduled to face GSP, he no-showed some press conferences, put out a weird YouTube video, and um, Dana White removed him from the main event. He is facing now BJ Penn on that card, and Carlos Condit is going to be facing GSP. Now, there's been different things, and people are torn about how it got handled. Some people feel that, you know, given Nick Diaz's personality, that whole pomp and circumstance with the press was not his style. Some people are saying that he was just uh, uninformed about how shit went, etc., etc. Well, Dana White was asked about it, and um, they asked how he felt about nick diaz now and he said here's the thing with nick diaz which i'm not used to but i'm gonna get used to it he's just a different guy i'm gonna have to handle him and deal with him differently than i do every other guy in the ufc this is a statement which i feel is 100 percent accurate primarily because you know nick diaz is not he's not used to doing all that press and all that bullshit you know he's used to getting getting offered a fight taking the fight coming in there fighting collecting his check and going home Maybe he does one interview or two, maybe not. But that's just the way he is as a fighter, so it's good to see that they're starting to hash that out. When asked about Diaz playing by the rules in the future, he said, it's not that he has to, but you have to play by some rules. I'm not asking you to not be yourself or to come up to me and say hi. It doesn't matter. But I think we can work with it. I think we can figure this thing out. I respect him as a fighter. People like to see him fight, and there's no doubt he's got a little nutty side to him. But we'll figure this thing out. What I'm more worried about are the things that he has to do, like follow the rules that the athletic commission or whatever state we're in lays down. You've got to follow those rules. There's no bending or curving on that. All the other stuff is, well, who cares? The kid's a fighter. When you've got a guy that's funny like Rampage, who speaks as nice as John Jones does, and the list goes on, but at the end of the day, Nick Diaz isn't showing up to give some big speech. He's not performing in front of it. He's coming to fight, and that's what the kid shows up to do. 
I told him, listen, you have to show up for press conferences. You can sit there and not say a word. People can ask you questions. Don't even answer them if you don't want to. You have to show up. You have to be there. We'll see what happens. I really would like to see a press conference with Nick Diaz and people just ask him questions and him not say shit or answer with the middle finger just because it's something I'd expect from him and it'd be fucking funny as hell. Um, is there anything else left for you guys? Yes. Can't forget this. The um, And this is a perfect segue into the wrestling segment. Earlier this week, Triple H... WWE COO, at least according to Monday Night Raw, decided to share his thoughts on the UFC, which I discussed last week. I felt that his opinions were foolish and showed a lack of understanding for the differences between sports entertainment and real sports. Dana White got asked about it this week, and he said the following, which he kind of clowned them with it. He said, Vince McMahon is finally letting Triple H talk, and that's fine. He goes, but Triple H will soon learn not to say stupid things. It's as easy as that. Triple H went out there and he made a completely asshole statement, which I felt was poor timed, especially because the UFC and the WWE aren't directly competing. Sure, they reach the same demographics, but you can be a fan of both. I watch MMA. I watch wrestling. Do I feel that wrestling needs a certain bit of realism from a sports standpoint, absolutely. Do I feel that wrestling needs some sort of a ranking system to help people, um, you know, kind of keep up with who's going to be challenging for a belt? Absolutely. Do I think that there's a room for that there's room for theatrics in wrestling? Yep. But to try and say that one is better than the other or one should take some cues from the other is in some ways applicable, but not always. Because the UFC is a legit sports entity with with real fighters that are fighters, not performers. Sure, they got personas that help, you know, sell fights and sell pay-per-views, and that's great. But fighters are fighters, wrestlers are wrestlers. That's it. Sure, like I said, you got guys like Brock Lesnar that blur that line, King Mo, Rampage, Nick Diaz. But at the end of the day, it's two separate things. So... Triple H saying all this shit about it really made him just look ill-informed, and Dana White put him on put him on blast for it. So gotta commend him for that. All right, that's gonna wrap up the MMA segment, and hopefully, if the switchboard is working with me, when I come back, we will talk some wrestling right after this. tell you i don't understand what the fuck is going on with blog talk radio every file i've played at least on my end sounds like complete dog shit so if you guys hear it the same way just let me know in the chat please just because i'm curious because then i'll need to email them and tell them hey what the fuck are you guys doing 
or I may have to hit up their live chat while we're on the air and tell them that the sound effects sound like shit. Um, Slick has informed me that the sound effects sounded fine. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Fucking blog talk with their shit. All right. Let's talk wrestling. WWE's Night of Champions. Everything that you thought would happen, in most cases, did happen. And I want to take a moment and acknowledge uh, my nephew's friend, Andrew, who said something very true, which I felt he was going to be wrong about. Turns out he was 100% right, and it involved the main event. And I'll get into that in a second. I just want to go through some of the matches. The opening tag team match with Kingston and Bourne against The Miz and R-Truth. Very... It was a good match. The ending wasn't shocking. It playing up the whole conspiracy thing. Solid opener. The IC match between Rhodes and DiBiase, not that good. I think that the unmasking of Rhodes was fine, but the match itself, I just feel that for two guys that have worked together as a unit for so long to pull an IC title match out of their ass that quickly was just poor planning, but... It may be the start of a good storyline between them, and this was just the beginning of it. So I'll take it for what it's worth. I felt it was one of the weaker points of the card. But, hey, you're not all gonna, you're not going to get winners on every card. The Fatal 4-Way with the U.S. title on the line, Ziggler, A-Rye, Mor- Morrison, and um, Jack Swagger. First off, Jack Swagger, I don't know if it's the Lisp or... Or something. I just I just don't like the dude. I think it's the lisp that fucks him up. They try to book him kind of like he's a he's a lighter Kurt Angle with the ankle lock and the and the wrestling background. But I don't know. He just he doesn't have it. I don't know if it's that he has to get rid of that fucking lisp, which is distracting. Or I just think that the angles he's been put in are complete dog shit. Um, the funniest thing to me is. That Swagger is is in this huge program with Vicky and now with Dolph Ziggler, and I would have I would have actually preferred to see A Ry in that type of a program. Alex Riley has his work with the Miz definitely shows that it's rubbed off on him. As a face, he's okay, and the reason is because you look at him and you automatically think you know smug heel prick, and he's playing like the baby face with the cool music. I just I, I don't see that working for him. And John Morrison, well, John Morrison comes in. He has his good matches. He has his bad matches. Um, he's definitely in the doghouse because he ate the pin on this one uh, with a gut wrench powerbomb from Jack Swagger and Dolph Ziggler stealing the victory. Um, Morrison, I think, with this whole Molina shit is in the doghouse. On one of the main title matches, Mark Henry and Randy Orton was actually a very good match. And the reason it was is because there was a lot of great psychology. Uh, Mark Henry stepped his game up. He looked really good in that match, and he ended up getting the belt. Um, I felt that that was a great payoff with him challenging for the belt. There was a great storyline that WWE crafted leading up to it. The the mean streak, the whole, I you know, I've been here 15 years, I need the belt, etc., etc. I think it's a great culmination of of mark henry's career my only problem is and i've said this before that it's hard to look as at mark henry as a badass 
when this is the same guy who had sex with Mae Young and Mae Young gave birth to a to a hand. And the the worst part about that is that that people still remember that. And Mark Henry between sexual chocolate and all these shitty storylines he's been in, it's it's gotten very difficult to look at him as a legit threat, which is which is fucked up just because Mark Henry's a scary dude. This is a, a guy who can literally crush you to death. And the WWE has booked him like a fucking jackass for so many years that I almost feel it being difficult for me to take him seriously, which is, which is fucked up. But I'm really glad he got the belt. Not to say that Randy Orton having the belt is, is a bad thing, but the problem is that with Randy Orton, it's always that same, I'm the champion. The Viper's gonna strike. And his fucking monotone fucking promos. And it's, and it's sad because this is a guy who's, who's, they're building as, as the future, as the face of the brand. But Randy Orton's, re- his wrestling is good. His, his delivery is bullshit. I don't understand if it's because he wants to do that whole methodical Jake the Snake promo style or because he wants to play up the whole voices in his head. I don't know what the fuck the deal is, but he's just not not a fun wrestler to, to follow. I mean, he has a cool entrance, and a, and he does pretty good with the RKO and shit, but I don't know. He's just may, Maybe it's just because I'm not used to him being in the main event to the point where you get tired of seeing him. He's getting into the, into the Cena stage of shit. Where he's on TV, on TV, on TV, he always wins, He's he goes crazy, and he gets the crazy RKO spots, which is fine. I think Mark Henry is, is a great fit as champion, and what WWE needs to do now is book him as a dominant champion. You can't have him win the belt, and then two weeks later, lose it to, like, Sin Cara, or, you know, for argument's sake, Rey Mysterio with a roll-up. You need to legit book him as a monster. He needs to come out every week and just kill people dead. That way you can build up a, a great match between him and, and a guy who has a chance of taking the belt. Uh, like a guy like Sheamus. I think the program with Sheamus, they ended it too soon. But I would use this as a great opportunity to resurrect that program. Both guys, very physical styles. Sheamus, very strong. Former champion. It's It's a... It's a no-brainer to use that storyline. In addition to that, there's also that already built-in storyline with the Big Show and Kane since Mark Henry put those guys on the shelf. So there, there's ample challengers. The only thing I will tell you is that if they do a program with Big Show and Kane, it's going to suck ass. Um, just because both of those guys, sure, they're big and they match up well to Mark Henry in terms of, of size, but just in terms of delivering decent matches, I have issue with it. Mostly with the Big Show, but um, I think that him and him and Kane would do a better a better match. And him and Sheamus is fantastic. You got uh, two great hard hitting athletes in there, and you can almost buy that Sheamus can whoop Mark Henry's ass just because Sheamus is is a big dude. Uh, imposing, he's he imposes his will physically on smaller wrestlers. He's a great guy to have in a program. The only other guy I would build up to feud with Mark Henry is Ezekiel Jackson. The only problem with Zeke to me right now is his promo work is a little suspect. But I think Jackson 
and Henry would be a great feud if you start booking Jackson as like that super face that comes out and you can almost book him like a Batista, start dressing him up nice and sending him out there to cut promos and shit. I think that they match up well physically and you may get some great spots like uh, an Ezekiel Jackson body slam of Mark Henry and stuff like that that can definitely get a lot of holy shit moments. Again, the only way I see that being successful, though, is if people work with Ezekiel Jackson from a promo standpoint. And I see that De Silva says that Henry and Taker, WrestleMania 28, um, as much as that sounds like a solid match, I'll tell you right now that The Undertaker's last match to go 20-0 and 0 in WrestleMania is not going to be against Mark Henry. Not happening. If anything... I honestly see a match with Mick Foley as a, as a great match to cl- for WrestleMania to close out The Undertaker's career. These are two guys who've, whose careers are intertwined. Hell in the Cell, Mankind. Um, you intertwine those two storylines and you have a, a guaranteed awesome main event. They've been saying that Mick Foley's been losing weight, getting in shape for his new his next WWE run. And honestly, if I can see anybody else facing The Undertaker besides Mick Foley, it should have been The Rock. The Rock and The Undertaker would have been good. I mean, obviously The Rock and Cena is the big get, but you take two guys that were so huge in the Attitude Era and you have them go at it, 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 it it's fireworks. The only problem is that The Undertaker has a lot of physical limitations. He's coming off a lot of crazy injuries, a lot of nagging injuries, to the point where I think a match with Foley may be the safer bet. And I honestly hope it would be that and do it the right way. Go out WrestleMania 28, Foley, Undertaker, Hell in the Cell, one last time, and just end it like that. I think that it would be a fitting way to go out. You put The Undertaker in the Hall of Fame as your main guy uh, leading up to Mania. It'll be great. Hall of Famers locking up. It's a a great storyline. If they go with that, Foley, Taker, shit, I'd buy that immediately, especially if it's done in Hell in the Cell. There's no need to do another match with Triple H. There, and Some people were, I had a discussion with, with, a, with a buddy of mine uh, a few days ago over dinner, and he said Randy Orton and Taker, legend killer versus legend. But Randy Orton's moved beyond the legend killer persona at this point, and putting Randy Orton in there... They've met once before, and what are you going to do, erase that once again and make it seem like there's a, a genuine first-time engagement between these two guys? Not so much. All right. Let's go into the Raw side of things. Raw was decent. I'll tell you why. And decent because Hugh Jackman was involved, which... I can honestly say was one of the better guest hosts I've seen in recent memory. He was there promoting Real Steel. He had a fantastic exchange with Dolph Ziggler. Um, and, and, of course, all his great work with Zack Ryder. And I'll get into that. But I want to get into this opening match. Sheamus, Justin Gabriel, and Air Boom versus Wade Barrett, Christian, and Otunga and McGillicuddy. Now, the funny thing about it was that... They almost erased the fact that Otunga, McGillicuddy, and Gabriel were part of the Nexus with Wade Barrett. Like, you would think that it would be mentioned more more, more so in the broadcast, but they just made it seem like, 
you know, the young, high-flying, talented Justin Gabriel. And it's like former Nexus member, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they kind of erased that. And um, it was a good match to open up the open up Raw. I was I was very impressed with Air Boom. They got great chemistry. And like I said, I like seeing Evan Bourne in a in a program where he's not constantly getting his ass whooped. Um, CM Punk is always at a thousand percent. Every Raw he comes out, he cuts epic promos. Um, Del Rio and Morrison had a had a passable match, but. Um, Morrison once again just getting murdered, murdered by 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 Del Rio and like I said the guys in the doghouse. Jackman comes out, promotes Real Steel. Vicky Guerrero comes out and with with Dolph talks some shit. You know she hits on on Hugh Jackman a little bit. Hugh Jackman talks some shit. You can definitely see that he wasn't a hundred percent well versed in the current generation of wrestling. It was funny because he put out a picture on Twitter of him in the Brooklyn Brawler. And he mentioned how he saw Brooklyn Brawler wrestle in Australia. So, you know, Hugh Jackman definitely knows his shit, but not the newer stuff. The funny thing about this was that they set up a match with Zack Ryder and Ziggler. Hugh Jackman was involved. And, you know, he interacted with Dolph Ziggler by hitting Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler went on Twitter saying he was injured from the the altercation with Hugh Jackman. Turns out TMZ revealed that Dolph Ziggler was not really injured, that he lied. And the funny thing about it is not so much that he lied about the injury because, hello, it's wrestling. You know, I broke my leg this week and I'm going to be on crutches, but then magically I'm going to be back next week with my leg not hurt. So to say that, oh, my God, he lied about it being injured for, for TMZ, you motherfuckers don't know shit. Because this is normal. This is completely normal in wrestling. So this whole big to-do, oh my god, he lied, and Hugh Jackman broke his jaw. It's wrestling, folks. Wrestling. Suspend fucking disbelief once in a while. Because if he would have broken Dolph Ziggler's jaw, or he would have cracked his jaw, then whatever. Shit happens. You're dealing with a guy who's not a trained professional. But the fact that TMZ thought that they unveiled this huge fucking shocker is, is silly. It's fucking silly. TMZ are idiots. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Idiots. But, hey, the fact is that I think um, the, the, the best part about the interaction was just that Jackman was happy to be there. And even the wrestlers have said that he was just a great guest. Which leads me to something I'm going to discuss in a few minutes with another guest that you guys are just going to be like, this can either go really well or really terrible. So I'll share that towards the end of the wrestling segment. Uh, Sin Cara and Cody Rhodes, um, another another solid match, which of course led to two Sin Caras appearing, which of course we're going for the Sin Cara versus Sin Cara feud. Um, there's actually some, some story to go with that, which I'll also elaborate on later in the segment. And uh, Kelly Kelly and Eve Torres versus Beth Phoenix and Natalia G., We've seen this one before. Um, i got to say that Kelly Kelly's match against Beth Phoenix at Night of Champions, even though I'm backtracking a little bit, was abysmal. 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 Shit. Whack juice. Vomit-inducing. I'm going to go take a piss. That's how bad this match was. 
It was terrible. And you want to know why it was terrible? It wasn't terrible because of Kelly Kelly's piss-poor wrestling ability. Because we know that the fucking Barbie's wrestling sucks. But it's the fact that they built Natalia and Beth Phoenix as the divas of doom. You know, these badass, uh, pin-up strong divas that have no problem putting a beating on you. No problem whatsoever. But as it turns out, they ended up having her lose via roll-up. Kelly Kelly beat Beth Phoenix, one of the strongest, most athletic divas, and she beat her with a roll-up. Which is, make of it what you will, what you will but Beth Phoenix should have got the belt, and that would have added some clout to the angle. But instead, Kelly Kelly retains. We see the same tag team match we've seen a thousand times. And this time, Eve Torres secures herself the roll-up. Woo-hoo. It was, it was terrible. It was fucking terrible. The um, main event, you had the awesome truth against John Cena and CM Punk. Earlier in the broadcast, Truth and The Miz went and they groveled to Triple H not to be fired due to their involvement in the Night of Champions main event. Turns out, match goes down, Triple H comes out, fires Miz and Truth, and proceeds to go backstage, at which point Miz and Truth attack Triple H and they are thrown out on their ass. Now, I went through Night of Champions and I've jumped back and forth a little bit. Um, What happened at Night of Champions was that our buddy, the formerly fired Kevin Nash, made an appearance I honestly thought he was legit gone from the company. Um, My nephew's friend Andrew was like, nah, man, he's coming back at Night of Champions. I'm telling you, blah, 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 blah. The only reason I suspended my belief that he was coming back was because, you know, they they announced that that they wished him the best in his future endeavors. He went on Twitter. Like, they really sold the secret, which I'm impressed with. But, you know, Miz... Truth got involved in the main event. Kevin Nash got involved in the main event, which leads us to what happened on Raw. Now, the interesting thing that I've noticed is that they're really pushing Johnny Ace, a.k.a. you know John Laurinaitis, as kind of like the puppet master behind the strings that wants to be in charge. Now, the good thing about this is that you can take a guy like Kevin Nash, who was quote-unquote recently fired, and you can put him in a stable with a guy like Miz and Truth, Kevin Nash is the backup, Miz and Truth aligned with Johnny Ace, and that might work. That can actually make for a very interesting episode of Raw. The fact was that I I gotta acknowledge the great use of the social media to sell the angle, the use of WWE.com acknowledging Kevin Nash's release, which, of course, they did with The Miz and Truth, and now The Miz and Truth are on Twitter, and The Miz was on Sirius XM, and they're really selling this firing. So I have to applaud WWE Creative, which happens few and far, with actually making great use of social media, because frankly, uh, The Rock and John Cena making fun of each other on Twitter, I could give two shits about. John Cena going on Twitter and, and talking about how you know the fans are fickle, and he tries to do good by them, but they still treat him like shit. I'm tired of that too. Tired of it. 140 characters of bitchin'. Please don't do it. Um, I think that the use of social media for this particular angle was well done, and I was I was very happy with the way it went down. I think 
that at the end of the day, if they continue to go this way, they'll add a little bit of realism to the broadcast going forward. I think that they need that 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 air of realism for future episodes of Raw and even for future angles. So, like I said, let me acknowledge them for doing a great job. Doesn't happen often, but they did they did good, man. They did good. All right. I want to just before going into the main wrestling news, I want to just talk about Ring of Honor. They did the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view here in New York. And if you've never seen Ring of Honor wrestling and you are a fan of legit pro wrestling, not 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 littered with angles and backstage segments and bullshit, but I mean legit wrestling, then do yourselves a favor and check out Ring of Honor. Their Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view was fantastic. They did a great tag team match to open things up with Jay Lethal and Homicide against uh, Tommaso Ciampo and Rhino with the Embassy. And it was a ridiculous match from start to finish. Um, Tommaso Ciampa ended up getting the win using his move, the Project Ciampa 2, which is ridiculous. It was it was a a power bomb that got where he, the your opponent gets dropped into a double knee backbreaker. It is a devastating and really well done finisher. So I gotta applaud those guys for that match, and it was a. A fantastic opening. They did a challenge match with Shelton Benjamin against Mike Bennett. Um, really great match. Shelton Benjamin is always delivers. The great thing about uh, Shelton Benjamin isn't that his strength lies in his wrestling, not his mic work. So if you're expecting great promos and shit from him, not in the WWE. In Ring of Honor, he comes out there. He has fantastic matches. He does really well. And I think he's a great fit for the organization. Not only that, but it helps him expand in terms of his wrestling ability. I think Shelton Benjamin has always been a fantastic athlete and a decent wrestler. Now he's a fantastic athlete and also a great wrestler. Working with some of these uh, luminaries in Ring of Honor, he's really stepped his game up. The Young Bucks debuted at Ring of Honor against Future Shock and the Bravados. Um, another another great tag team match with uh, the Young Bucks showcasing what they should have been showcasing in TNA. Ring of Honor is making great use of these young guys. Super pumped that they had a, such a great match against Future Shock and the Bravados are they, they've always been a tag team I've kind of had a love hate relationship with but it all fit well in this match. In a one on one you had El Generico the generic luchador against Jimmy Jacobs. Um, El Generico had a great match and a great feud with the Mr. Wrestling Kevin Steen. Kevin Steen has been feuding with Ring of Honor on Twitter, on Facebook, all over the place because he was no longer with the organization. I say that in quotes. And everybody was awaiting Kevin Steen to show up, which he did. And he's been feuding with Jim Cornette, so there was a huge altercation with that. Then, of course, the issues between Steen and Generico. Ah, it's crazy. I'm super, super pumped to see where they go with Kevin Steen and if they continue his feud with El Generico because that was a feud that was so well written and so well done and it went over the course of an entire year. There was so much animosity built up that when they finally did the payoff for this match, it was probably one of the best angles of the year that I've seen. If you're not familiar with it, I recommend you look up Kevin Steen and El Generico either in feud or in match on YouTube so you can see what real wrestling is all about. The other challenge match also was Charlie Haas and Mike Elgin, who was accompanied by Truth Martini. Um, 
uh, one Charlie Haas always been a, a solid wrestler, and against Elgin, I was kind of bothered by the ending only because the finish seemed a little strange. But Charlie Haas, maybe just because of the way the match paced itself, um, it could have been a better match. But I'll tell you what, Charlie Haas delivering them German suplexes, no fucking joke. Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong was the ringmaster challenge. It was a two out of three falls match. Um, both guys, fantastic technicians, shitty mic work. That's always how it is. Edwards and Strong, Edward, um, Roderick Strong was feuding at one point with um, Eddie Edwards' tag team partner, but um, obviously the feud now continues with Eddie Edwards. And it was a great match. I think the match was roughly about 45 minutes, and it was 45 minutes of awesome fucking wrestling. And the main event was the ladder war, uh, ladder match with the Briscoe brothers against the All Night Express. Oh, man, it was, there was a powerbomb off a ladder, there was a, a blockbuster powerbomb through a table, there was uh, somebody getting thrown through a la- th- from a ladder through a table, and the ladder must have been like 40 or 50 feet high. I would really classify this as right up there with some of the WWE TLC matches. Ladder War was bloody, brutal, and a great way to close it out. Uh, it was about, match was almost a half an hour. Do yourselves a favor, I'm not even fucking around. Check out Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. Um, you can probably pick it up on iPay-per-view. As with all Ring of Honor pay-per-views, the pay-per-view's $14 of great wrestling. And if you have any... You know, extenders like uh, Google TV or Boxy, um, you can actually just watch those on the big screen. I watched one iPay-Per-View on the big screen through Google TV, and it's a great experience. And for $14, you get three times more wrestling than you'd get on a $50 WWE pay-per-view. So that's my endorsement, man, and I'm a big supporter of ROH, so check them out. All right, now let's get into the rest of the wrestling news. Ring of Honor superstar Claudio Castagnoli, a.k.a. also one half of the Kings of Wrestling, has officially signed with WWE and has reported to developmental. He is now wrestling under the name Antonio Cesaro. You can look him up on Twitter under that name. He's changed it from Claudio. I think um, Claudio will be a great addition to the WWE roster. Hopefully that will stick him in some ethnic guido stupid gimmick or anything involving santino morella if anything book claudio solo or sign chris hero and book him as a tag team but do not i repeat do not book him in some shitty arrogant italian stereotype or european stereotype gimmick because the fans will fucking hate you they will hate you so please don't ruin it guys don't ruin it Claudio Castagnoli, now Antonio Cesaro. Now, in the guest host news that I talked about earlier in the segment, PW Insider has confirmed that the Muppets are hosting the WWE uh, Raw Super Show for Halloween. Of course, they'll be promoting the the Muppets movie, but listen to this. The Muppets, Miss Piggy, Kermit, the Eagle, the old guys that bitch about stuff, Animal, Rolf, Monday Night Raw. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's for Halloween, which is cool, 
and they'll probably do something with like Hornswoggle or some shit. But really, how, how's that going to work? I really would laugh if like Randy Orton gave Kermit the Frog an RKO and then punted him out of the ring. It would be it would be fucked up, but I'd laugh. I'd laugh my ass off. Or I'd laugh like if Miss Piggy was did a backstage segment with like the Divas or some shit talking about her wanting to get into a match or her making fun of Vicky Guerrero. Like I can see that being really cool, but if I've learned anything with the WWE and things involving pop culture, there are times where the old school Vince McMahon booking comes out and they just do a shitty job with it. It happened with uh, Al Sharpton. Like, why would you have Al Sharpton host Raw? It's Al Sharpton. I wouldn't even have Al Sharpton fucking host a, a crab bake or a fucking barbecue. Because it would break down into some political rally or some bullshit. Or he'll eat all the food. Seriously. Why would you do that? When they were doing the guest hosting shit, really? Al Sharpton? Who gives a shit? The Muppets, they're promoting the movie. It might be funny. There, there's a. I, I want to say at least 70% of me thinks that it's going to suck ass, but I definitely like where Strider is going with the old guy Muppets doing commentary. I can just imagine JR, the king, and the old guys. And it'd be like, my God, my God, he's been busted in half. You know, I think he's hurt. Like, it would be hilarious. Like, if they did that dry wit like that, it would be great. But it would be like, my God. Like a scalded dog. King. King, he's down. He's down. Do you see that? And he puts like the cowboy hat on one of the fucking puppets and shit. That would be great. That would be a great use of those guys. But they won't do that. It's going to be backstage segments. And the other thing is that unless you're doing everything backstage, you're going to see the guys controlling the Muppets. So that's going to be tough to like, you can't have like, Kermit the Frog and Animal do a run-in during a tag team match, because it's fucking impossible. But the color commentary and some really well-played backstage segments that aren't overdone may not suck. And so the other thing that happened on Raw this week was um, an interview with Mark Henry, which uh, obviously Mark Henry fucking was going to whoop JR's ass. Jerry Lawler comes in to be the hero... And um, it turns out that Jerry Lawler legitimately got hurt because when Mark Henry put him through the table, the table did not break properly. So Jerry Lawler had to actually be taken to the hospital. Mark Henry was to, was said to be very upset. And you can tell when they did that spot that when the table didn't give way, I'm like, ow, that had to really fucking hurt. Because obviously the way Mark Henry has to has to do the move um, affects how the way how the move is sold. So you know you got to do it super violent, and you got to play on the fact that Lawler's an old guy. So you know Lawler actually will probably not be on Raw this week because he was hospitalized after the accident that happened with Mark Henry. Wish Lawler the best. I met him at Comic Con. Really cool fucking dude. So I lo- I hope that he gets well real soon. In some roster news, besides Claudio Castagnoli, PW Insider reported that WWE has signed British star Brittany Knight to a developmental deal. She's going to work the taping, the DVD tapings for Shimmer next month, but then she's going to be reporting to WWE Developmental. If you're not familiar with Shimmer, it is a women's wrestling organization that has some really talented women there. Not, not the Barbie dolls that you see wrestle on Monday Night Raw, um, but actual legit 
good female wrestlers, some of which you've seen in TNA and some of which you've seen in Ring of Honor. But it's good to see that they're actually bringing in female wrestlers and not Playboy models. Now, the Sincara versus Sincara feud I talked about earlier is being built up because originally they had wanted to do Sincara versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. But given uh, Rey Mysterio's injury, they're going to do a Kara versus Kara feud, which will culminate at WrestleMania. And WWE is working on doing, uh, breaking the Guinness record for most masks in place for one event. So obviously doing a Kara versus Kara feud at some point They'll probably alter one of the masks and costumes so that people can express their support. And of course, if they're planning on going into the record books, you can expect to see a lot of masks being sold leading up to Mania. Now, if you've been by the Facebook fan page this week, you'll see you would have seen that I posted a video from Matt Hardy acknowledging that he does have a drug problem and that he was going to be um, attending a WWE sponsored rehab. I, I saw the video. I was actually very happy to see that he acknowledged that he had a problem. And, you know, I, I, I said some things, you know, in the last few episodes. I'm like, look, people should really help him. He's fucking up. He's going to end up dead. And seeing that video showed that he was aware of a problem and he was going to work his hardest to solve it. But, of course, right after that video came out, it was revealed that Matt Hardy was arrested for drug possession. I kid you not. This is now, I believe, his third arrest. According to what uh, the PW Insider reported, um, he was arrested September 14th after they executed a search warrant on his home in Cameron, North Carolina. During the search, deputies seized 20 vials of anabolic steroids, one dosage of MDMA, which is known as ecstasy, also $1,961 in cash, as well as unnamed drug paraphernalia. Hardy was charged with the possession of intent to sell and deliver Schedule 3 controlled substances, which was the steroids. Uh, possession um, of a Scheduled 1 controlled substance, which is ecstasy, and maintaining a place to keep a controlled substance. He's expected to appear in court for these charges on September 29th. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what the fuck happened that got Hardy arrested? Well, it seems that uh, Matt Hardy's girlfriend, Rebby Sky, showed up at their home and she realized that he wasn't feeling well, you know, he was a little strung out, so she had, you know, called the police to get him some help. As it turns out, the police used what she had said when Hardy went to the hospital to execute a warrant to search the to search the home. When Rebby Sky got home, uh, it turns out that her home was being searched because of a warrant, and... They kind of, according to her, she was strong-armed into revealing the location of all this stuff, um, including, you know, the prescription painkillers, the steroids, etc. Um, a lot of people have gone on Twitter and called her a snitch, called her a rat, etc., etc. But here's the here's the thing, which I gotta I gotta defend to a to a degree. If she got to the house and saw Matt Hardy was strung out on drugs of any sort and she reported it to the authorities to get him help, then she did the right thing. Did the authorities use that as the grounds to get a search warrant? Absolutely. You want to know why? Because there's, the, there's such a thing called probable cause. Probable cause allows things like that. If a cop walks by your home and they hear a baby crying or an alarm, they have, they have full right to react and check it, check it out because it's probable cause. 
Same thing with something like Matt Hardy, where if the guy got hospitalized and is is strung out on drugs of some sort, obviously it, in Cameron, North Carolina, as soon as you mention Jeff Hardy or Matt Hardy, the cops automatically know who they are since they've both been arrested so many times already. So in seeing that, the cops are like, all right, this guy's strung out on drugs. This must mean that he's keeping narcotics in his house. Seriously. It's as easy as that. If, if, if you can't put two, two things together like that, then you're an idiot. The guy was strung out on drugs, and if the police were involved, they're going to fucking search. It's as easy as that. Rebby Sky did the right thing by getting him help. Did it have to result in him getting arrested? Probably not. Were there other things that could have been done to prevent it? Sure. But you know what? If the guy had all that paraphernalia in his house, getting it removed probably was the safer option because if the guy's going to rehab and you keep that stuff around, there's a potential he may relapse and end up killing himself because there's been plenty of cases where, that I've seen where people come out of rehab clean and they end up taking a dose of some shit because they can't cope or whatever and they end up dead. Simple. Simple as that. So she's not being a snitch. She did the right thing. Shit happens. Matt Hardy should have known better, especially after what happened with his brother. Lay off the fucking drugs, go to the rehab, and make something of yourself. So I don't have to fucking see you in the press. Every fucking week, Matt Hardy got arrested. It's a running joke. Matt Hardy got arrested for taking a shit outside. Matt Hardy got arrested for peeing outside of a grocery store. Matt Hardy was arrested for cross-dressing and running into a bodega and spraying fucking silly string on himself. Seriously, get the fucking guy some help. That's all I got to say. Lastly, uh, Ric Flair. You remember the wonderful match he had with Sting? Well, it's been reported that Ric Flair is injured. Big shocker, right? 60-year-old guy getting in a wrestling ring, getting tossed all over the place, injuring himself. whoop the fucking do um, Turns out that they had thought that he had actually burst a bursa sack in his elbow. But it turns out that was not the case. Ric Flair actually tore his tricep. And he's going to be undergoing surgery next week and is going to be on the shelf for six months. So, let me tell you about a bursa sac. Basically, um, you have a bursa sac in your shoulder and between certain joints. It's a sac that, that helps lubricate joints. And usually when you get tendonitis or things like that, the, the, those sacs, they swell and they cause the bones to rub together, etc., etc. So for that sack to burst, it is incredibly painful. And according to what they were saying, his arm was really, was really sad, um, not really sad, really swollen. And um, they felt that if he avoided infections, it would be fine. But turns out he tore his tricep, which is just as bad. Um, because when you tear the tricep, the tricep obviously runs down from your elbow all the way up almost into your shoulder so to tear that in any way if you tear it by the elbow it is going to be immense pain because the the tricep you know controls the bending of the elbow the flexing of the forearm the movement of the hand uh the the connection with the shoulder involves stretching reaching overhead it, the guy is fucked up. He is 60 years old. If you fucking tear a muscle at 60 years old, it's time to hang it the fuck up. 
But um, Dark Helmet is correcting a couple of things there. I am not a medical fucking professional. I am a gym rat. Last time I checked, when I train my shoulders, my triceps do work. So I'm only going based on life experience. <laughs> fucking Dr. Dark Helmet in there trying to show off and blow up my spot. Fuck you, Dark Helmet. Nah, I'm kidding. Dark Helmet makes some badass cookies, you guys. So um, check out Rob's Cookies on Facebook. There. Now we're even. All right. So, yeah, Ric Flair, four to six months on the shelf. What does this tell you? Stay your red, bleach-headed ass the fuck home. Pay the alimony some other way. Do charity events. Do some other shit. Stop wrestling, because you're going to end up dying in the ring. It's going to be like, woo, 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 my heart, my heart, woo, woo, ah, and that's going to be it. And then people will just be like, is he dead? And they'll be like, yeah, he's dead. And then everybody wear the fucking armband next week. And they'll cry, oh, Rick was such a talented performer. <laughs> Stop. Stop. You're old, Rick. Find something else to do. You should have just stayed retired and not do this shit with TNA. You're, you're, you're taking the legacy that you've built and you are covering it in dog shit. All right. That actually wraps up the wrestling this week. So... I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, hopefully, if the commercials don't sound like shit, we can talk about some video games right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, let's get into some video games. Where the hell is my sound clip? Which, of course, decides not to work. Let's try again. All right. This first bit of news is going to probably annoy Slick because Slick is a huge fan of this game and what he's going what I'm going to tell him is probably going to annoy him. Infamous 2 is the game. And the standalone expansion that's coming out for it called Festival of Blood, besides it being about vampires, which is completely irrelevant, will now have move support. So Sony revealed that the support for both games for the, with move support will be available on October 25th when Festival of Blood releases. So... I know Slick is a huge fan of Infamous, and he played 1 and 2. He's gotten platinum trophies on it. Big fan of the series. I don't know how if he's going to pick up the DLC or not. I know that he's kind of been on the fence about the concept. But now it is getting move support. <laughs> and as, and as, as they expected, I see him in the chat saying, why the fuck didn't the game come out with move support? Dude, I have no idea, but I guess uh, you're going to get move support now. 
Gama Sutra said that it is a great time for Xbox Live Arcade games, and some get, some titles are really doing some great numbers. Toy Soldiers Cold War and Fruit Ninja Connect have have been experiencing really successful sales. Um, Toy Soldiers sold 160,000 units at the end of August. It had 115,000 players of on online playing during the first week. Fruit Ninja had 148,507 players during the week. It's it's really crazy that Fruit Ninja, which is a fun game. I mean, I play it on my phone, but that's the kind of game you play when you're in the toilet, uh, waiting at a doctor's office, or when you're bored anywhere else. But it seems to have gotten really popular on Connect. I really, I can't knock it. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world, but. To know that 115,000 people are playing a game like Toy Soldiers is um, its pretty impressive. I mean, I played the demo and I liked it. I wasn't sold on it completely, but to, to see that level of popularity, maybe I'll give it a second go around or maybe I'll see if I have some live points laying around to check it out. In some other news, and I'm sure you've heard this from a few different places, Netflix has decided to split into two divisions. Um, one division is going to be competing directly with Gamefly. The Netflix announcement, which I got in the mail from, uh, from in, via email from Reed Hastings, and uh, also had a video, said that their streaming service will remain Netflix, but the DVD by mail service will now be called Quickster. Uh, Mr. Hastings went on to say that Quickster is going to launch in a few weeks. The other big change is that they're going to be adding a video game upgrade option, which will have PS3, 360, and Wii games shipped out as well. Now, the funny thing about this is that Netflix, with that title, is applicable to streaming movies just because it's movies on the net, Netflix. So to keep that name associated with the streaming content is fine. Uh, the DVD by mail service, spinning it off into Quickster... Uh, my big concern is the fact that they've made both entities separate. So if you are registered on Netflix but want to look into Quickster, you can't lot you know take it and go right into it. You have to actually set up an account on that service as well. So that's two logins, two queues to maintain, etc., etc. Um, I think this is great for Netflix only because a lot of people have always wanted games. Personally, I've wanted games on Netflix too, and while I love Gamefly and I've used Gamefly for years, I've noticed over the last couple of months that Gamefly shipping cycles have become longer than usual. If I were to return a game on on a Monday morning and drop it in the mail, that game may not reach them until Thursday, and I may not even get a game until the following Thursday. So I think that it used to initially be where I'd drop the game in the mail Monday, it would get scanned, Tuesday morning, there'd be a confirmation. By the end of the week, Thursday or Friday, I would have the next game in my queue. Now, obviously, I'm sure that this probably has an, is affected because of the games that I'm requesting, but I just feel that Netflix has more facilities and is probably able to do a better job. I mean, we have a Netflix facility here in Farmingdale, so... You know, I've got, I've dropped movies in the mail some days where I'll drop them in the movie in the mail Monday night by uh, early Tuesday morning, like 3 a.m. Tuesday or or, or 4 a.m. I'll get an email that it's been received uh, by Tuesday afternoon. I'll get a email that it got sent out, 
and by Wednesday or Thursday, I'll, ha I'll have my movie in-house. So I think that them doing games is interesting, and it'll, it, like anything else, competition it benefits us, the consumer, and I think that Gamefly being the only game in town, it'll force them to ramp up their shipping, maybe open up some other warehouses, and at the end of the day, the gamers win. So I'll be keeping an eye on this, especially because I currently use Netflix, and I do get... I do use the streaming option, but I also do get one disc out at a time because there's just some movies that aren't available on streaming and you just want to check out via disc. DC Universe Online, many of you know, was the MMO that got put out with the monthly subscription fee. Well, I'm pleased to announce that DC Universe is going to adopt the free-to-play business model starting in October. The way it's going to work is on a free tier, you're going to have access to all the current gameplay of DC Universe Online, including Gotham City, Metropolis, and all the current raids and alerts. You're going to be allowed the ability to create two characters, join a league, and all the other benefits. You're also going to be able to have free level plays that you'll be able to purchase game packs and updates independently with microtransactions. Anybody that wants to get in on the premium tier is going to be getting more slots and additional characters, more inventory slots, and higher cash limits. You're also going to get downloadable adventure packs and additional character slots that you can purchase in-game as well. Lastly, the Legendary tier is going to have all the maximum features, plus um, you're going to get the DLC packs included at no additional cost. You'll get 15 character slots, 80 inventory slots, and the ability to form unrestricted size leagues and a couple of other benefits. That's going to be a $14.99 monthly fee. And I honestly feel that DC Universe Online has a ton of potential. I know that our buddy Philosophy does a DC Universe Online podcast, and I'm hoping to have him on within the next few weeks to discuss the game moving into the free model. Uh, Philosophy used to host the, uh, the CVP podcast, and he was one of the first guests uh, spotlighted on MTR behind the mic so it's really great to see that he's working with DC Universe Online and I'm looking forward to him coming on the show and sharing with you guys some of the enhancements that have been done personally now that it's free to play I may be picking it up because I've never really gotten into the MMO scene I'm not a big World of Warcraft guy or any of that shit or Starcraft and I think DC Universe caters to my love of comics and it's console based so maybe I will check it out and besides, it's free to play. You'll create two characters. So you could probably do a couple of scrims and stuff, which is cool. And you can pick up the game for 25 bucks. I've even seen it on on eBay for 20 bucks or so. So if you want to get into some console-based MMO games, check out DC Universe now that it'll be free to play. And if you do check it out, look me up on PS3 or Xbox... Well, excuse me, not on Xbox 360. That's for fuck sure. But um, PS3, I am Akuma25 on there, and we can get some DC Universe online going on. And hopefully, once I get it, I will let people know either via the fan page or on our forums if they want to get a couple of games in. GTA 4 is, is well on its way into the record books. With 22 million units of the game sold, it has surpassed GTA San Andreas. It has also... Um, the franchise overall has sold 114 million units. According to Strauss Zelnick, they said that the DLC um, helped limit some of the sales, citing that they experimented a lot with GTA 4, and they realized that they had a better way of doing it with Red Dead Redemption. 
you know, with things like Undead Nightmare, um, things like that. Overall, GTA, the series, is extremely successful, and Red Dead Redemption has done really well. They've sold 12.5 million units in a little over a year. I think that the issue with GTA at this point, at least in my opinion, is that the the fans are hungry for a new GTA and, you know, you got Saints Row coming out, you got all this other stuff coming out, but GTA is the franchise. It's it's what Rockstar is known for, and I'm really looking forward to playing it. I had a lot of fun playing GTA 4. It was very deep, highly enjoyable. The storyline was in complete dog shit. So, come on, man, Rockstar, get on it. I need another GTA game. For those of you that are fans of the Homefront series... Um, THQ and Crytek have announced that they're working together for a home fr- for a Homefront sequel. According to the press release that was put out, Crytek Nottingham's UK studio is going to use the Cry Engine, and they will be doing the sequel and market have it marketed by THQ. The game is expected to be released in the fiscal year of 2014, so you can expect that at any point between 2013 and 2014. In some Xbox news, according to Digiday, Microsoft has been talking to Comcast and Verizon um, to use their live TV service on consoles. According to the site, they claim that multiple sources are actively looking, uh, state that Microsoft is actively looking to partner with TV manufacturers, including Samsung, for some sort of a Windows Live gaming hub in TVs. I think this would be very interesting given the fact that the PlayStation 3 is one console that you can pretty much consider a centerpiece in your home theater with all the access available to it. I think that Microsoft offers a lot of other features, including the Netflix, Pandora, and the movie rentals. But going into cable territory and allowing you to watch live television on your console is is very interesting. And I'm really watching these news careful, this news carefully because imagine um, being able to put on a sporting event or a fight, and which I know that the UFC plans on doing when they start working with Microsoft in November. But just being able to watch the fights with all your friends and in a room or watching a TV show, I think that that, that social aspect of, of TV viewing and, and movie watching is, is really great, and Xbox Live is a fantastic medium for it. I think that Xbox Live, with the amount of, of user engagement would be very successful if it went into the TV side of things. But the only thing i got to say is that Microsoft needs to tread carefully because as we've, as we've seen with Apple TV and Google TV, if it's not pulled off seamlessly, people will be apprehensive to test it out. So partnering with Verizon or with Comcast should be very interesting. As I said earlier, Robot Entertainment's tower defense game Orcs Must Die will be released October 5th on Xbox Live Arcade and October 12th on the PC. So when the guys from 15 Minutes a Game come through, you'll be able to get some more details about it. But Orcs Must Die will be available October 5th on Xbox Live. Our buddies at GameStop have released an exclusive skin to power up rewards members who pre-order Batman Arkham City. If you pre-order Batman Arkham City and are a Power Up Rewards member, you will be getting access to a skin that will make Batman look like the animated series Batman from 1990. The cool part of this is that since Kevin Conroy currently voices Batman on the game, it'll be very cool to have the guy that voiced him on the TV show and now the game also wear the costume that made him famous. So, 
if you want to pick that up, you will need the Power Up Rewards card, and you'll be able to pick that up through our good buddies at GameStop. I am lying. GameStop is shit. But if you do want to get that, that's how you. That's what you got to do to get it. Sony has announced that the PlayStation Vita will be able to communicate with the PSP. The Vita will be able to play downloadable PSP games and also have the ability to communicate with PSPs for ad hoc play. So for those of you that are on the fence about getting a Vita because you'll lose um, access to playing with some of your buddies on the PSP, fear not. You are free to upgrade to the Vita. Of course, in November, we got the two great uh, franchises going to war, Battlefield and Call of Duty. Battlefield 3 is coming out swinging with pre-orders, according to uh, St- uh, Stern Wow, this guy's name is crazy. A Stern Gia uh, analyst, Arvin Batia, says that there have been 1.5 million pre-orders for Battlefield 3. The report notes that the game's pre-order bonuses, which include a free upgrade to the limited edition and early access to the Back to Carcan map pack, have been heavy incentives to pre-order the game. The game's beta will be launching September 29th, so mark that date on your calendars with the full game releasing October 25th. Sony and EA have worked out a deal allowing PlayStation 3 owners to get Battlefield 3 expansions first. But unlike the deal that Microsoft and Activision did, this deal will only be applicable for one week of exclusivity. The deal is going to be starting with the Back to Carcan DLC, which will come free in the initial game, but won't be available until later this year. So, let's look at it like this. You pre-order Battlefield 3, your pre-order guarantees you the limited edition, which gives you early access to the map, and you'll get a couple of other incentives as well. See, I don't have an issue with this type of pre-order, because the pre-order is automatically upselling you to the better version of the game. Now, the question remains if that upsell is going to be at the same price or not. I've heard that it is going to be the same price. I've heard that it's not. I'm going to have to actually talk to somebody who works in GameStop. I actually know some people that genuinely work there that I don't loathe and despise to see what kind of information they can give me. But if if you can do it and get the limited edition for, for the same price and get the map pack, I say go for it. But mark that September 29th date down because you'll be getting access to the beta. The newest trend, which I didn't get a chance to talk about in previous episodes, seems to be the new season pass that uh, publishers are releasing with some of their games. A recent press release from Turn 10 Studios announced that Forza Motorsport 4 will have a season pass. That season pass is going to run you 30 bucks, and it'll give players all six expansions at a discount of 30%. The six DLCs were released between November 2011 and April 2012. However, also when you buy the season pass, you'll be getting access to the American Muscle Car Pack on launch day. So, season pass seems to be the new thing now, because if they're going to be releasing a lot of DLC and you buy the season pass, you might as well just get it out of the way all at once. I don't really know how I feel about it, because sometimes you want to skip certain certain parts of DLC. I would have liked a season pass for Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition and for maybe Marvel vs. Capcom 3, only because 
if you're going to nickel and dime us with costumes and all this shit, at least let us buy the season pass and give us that option so we can just get that and not have to wait for all the shit to be on sale on Xbox Live to make us buy it. Just throwing that out there, Capcom. Just throwing that out there. Lastly, to close out the game segment, Sony will be releasing a special edition Uncharted 3 PlayStation 3 bundle. Uh, It's going to run you $300. You're going to get a 320 gig PS3 and a free month of PlayStation Plus. I'm sure millions of people own PS3s, but if you've been on the fence about it, that's a pretty solid bundle. 300 bucks, you get the 320 gig hard drive and a month of PlayStation Plus. Not bad, folks. Not bad at all. That's going to wrap up the game segment. We are going to get into the movies right after this commercial break. The following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubborn Radio. We like news. We like current events. But we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. The BornStubborn Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Both my That's what I TV news this week, and I know that Dark Helmet is going to be salivating at the first bit of What the Fuck movie news. Our buddies at the CW are planning a reboot of the 1987 Beauty and the Beast TV series. Now, if you don't remember that series, that that series ran three seasons, and Ron Perlman played the Beast, Vincent who was a leader of a group of deformed beastmen that lived beneath New York City. Linda Hamilton starred as Catherine, who was the district attorney in the city, and also the love interest. So get ready for that on the CW. But it gets better. ABC is planning their own TV show on Beauty and the Beast. And Guillermo del Toro will be doing a film version with Emma Watson playing Beauty. So there you go. Triple dose of Beauty and the Beast. Emma Watson in the movie version, an ABC version, and a CW version. I've come to a startling conclusion with the CW Network. The CW Network should just be the girls 
having sex with supernatural guys network because it happens with practically every show that it's all built around something's wrong with the fucking guy and there's angst and bullshit and i'm not saying that the network is 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 garbage they just cater to that twilight demographic they got good shows though you know supernatural um smallville i don't watch them my wife watches them handle watches them and tells me how good they are even the Vampire Diaries, not my cup of tea, but it's a little bit more edgy for a broadcast show than some of the drivel I've seen. But seriously, everything is, you know, oh my god, I'm a vampire. I have angst. Oh my god, I'm a werewolf. Hold me. I have angst. I love you. It's like, ugh, give me a fucking break. That seems to be the name of the game with most of the programming on the CW, and I'm actually just interested to see what the beast is going to look like but there you go folks cw beauty and the beast gets better with the what the fuck movie news how about a baywatch film peter tolan has completed a new draft of a baywatch film script tolan known for his work on rescue me says that the film has nothing to do with the show whatsoever he goes on to say it's not based on the show in any way Though there are a couple of winks at the show. I don't know anything about the show. I didn't watch it in preparation for writing this. Tolan went on to say that no, that roles are being written for David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson. Now here's, the, here's the, my issue with it. You're doing a show. You're doing a movie based on a show that you never watched. Yet has nothing to do with the show whatsoever. But stars from the show will be cast in different parts. That's like saying, I'm going to do a movie about Jesus, but not really have it be about Jesus and the Bible, but instead be about a DJ named Jesus who had his turntables fall on him and died, and he came back reincarnated as a ghost. But it's really not the story of Jesus. Seriously. Like, that makes absolute. Listen to that. It makes no fucking sense. None. I'm going to do a movie about a show that has nothing to do with the show but it'll acknowledge the show but not really do anything about the show it, uh, it makes no sense yes it's gonna be it's it's gonna be the jesus story with dj jesus and he's gonna be a mexican gangbanger whose turntables fall off his truck and crush him to death but he gets reincarnated and he proceeds to make it his mission to stop people from getting crushed by their turntables that they carry in their hydraulically powered vehicles. That's how that's how shitty this concept is. Just as shitty as a Mexican Jesus movie. Seriously. Ugh, fucking Hollywood. But you know what? It doesn't get any better than something that I mentioned on the fan page. And that, my friends is the other bit of what the fuck movie news. And that is a remake or a reimagining of Scarface. You heard that right. Don't even adjust your, your dials. They are doing Scarface. And the new version is going to be modern day and stay clear of any remake elements aside from the title and the central premise. So there you go. They're going to do another Scarface, modern day, but stay clear of remake elements. 
I say that the next that the Scarface reimagining should be done with step up dancers. That's what it should be about. About the the head step up dancer that gets way too powerful. And when other dancers encroach on his territory, he goes and he proceeds to get their ankles broken so that they can't juck and jive on their cardboard boxes. What what the fuck, Hollywood? You fucking assholes. Seriously? The Baywatch movie? Scarface remake? Ugh. I'm done. I'm done. Every couple of days, I say to myself, we're not going to do it. We're not going to go into the, the, the tirades, and we're going to try and run a, a decent movie segment. But no, fuck this. The other bit of news I needed to add is a sequel to The Blair Witch Project. What year is this, 2011? When did The Blair Witch Project come out? I don't know, five, six years ago? And then they did, they did that piss-poor sequel that was complete dog shit? Oh, well, guess what? They're going to do a sequel to the Blair Witch Project, and they want to bring back the actors from the first one. Again, the actors from the first one, which didn't they fucking like get kidnapped or died or tied to little trees or some shit? Like, how are you bringing them back? How's that happening? But according to the creators, there's always room for new ideas to come in. So, there's definitely characters in the sequel. They're probably not going to be the main characters, but they are definitely characters in the sequel. So once again, we're doing a sequel to a movie that our cast died in, but they're still going to be in the movie. Is it going to be flashbacks? Is it going to be videotape that somebody finds? Because other than that, there's no need for another Blair Witch Project. And you know what the worst part is? They'll probably make it PG-13, and it'll still suck ass. But the the scariest part of this is that people are really starting to see through the bullshit of Hollywood when your number one movie this weekend was the re-release of The Fucking Lion King. $29.3 million. Contagion was two. Drive was three. The Help was four. Straw Dogs was five. I don't know how she does it was six. I don't know how that movie's even making money. <laughs> the Debt was seven. Warrior was eight. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was nine. And the and Colombiana was 10. So, the Lion King in 3D, which Josh went to see and told me looked really good, I might add, but that's besides the point. The Lion King in 3D was the number one movie. A movie that I watched when I was a kid is number one in the box office. That's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say. Sigourney Weaver was interviewed recently and she gave some information regarding sequels for Avatar and Ghostbusters. When asked about a sequel for Avatar, she said, don't worry, I'll be back. Jim Cameron says no one ever dies in science fiction. He's told me the stories for the next two movies and I have to say that they're absolutely wonderful and there's a real treat in store. Now we just have to make them. When asked about Ghostbusters 3, she said, I have yet to read a script. I've had a couple of calls and I know they're rewriting and all that. And the only thing I said was that I hope my son Oscar has grown up to be a Ghostbuster. And Ivan Reitman said yes. Beyond that, I have no idea. I hope it comes together. But we already did two wonderful films, and if we have to let this one go, that's fine. So, yeah. Ghostbusters 3, Avatars, Avatars 2 and 3 have been revealed in those two statements. 
TV line is reporting that Stars is going to be paying a special tribute to the late Andy Whitfield. Of course, I discussed that he passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma on September 11th. On October 2nd, the network is going to showcase five of the most outs of his most outstanding episodes from Spartacus, Blood and Sand, including both the premiere and the finale. Also on December 16th, Stars is going to re-air the entire season. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you have not seen Spartacus, Blood and Sand and you have Stars, you need to see it. It is fantastic. There's blood, there's guts, there's sex. There's a little bit of, of suspect behavior in some of the episodes, but if, if you're a fan of everything else, definitely check it out. Spartacus was fantastic. Gods of the Arena was just as good. And I can only hope that the third season is just as solid as the first and the prequel. So it'll be a great tribute to Andy Whitfield. And like I said, we fully endorse it. So check it out if you get a chance. What do we got? I missed a couple of things. Ah, Actor and martial artist Scott Adkins has been added to the Expendables 2 cast. Adkins will be play, will play the role of Jean-Claude Van Damme's henchman. So now we know that Van Damme is going to be the bad guy, which means that we'll probably be treated to a fight between Van Damme and probably Sylvester Stallone. Or actually, I'd like to see a fight between Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, but I'll take what I can get. Scott Adkins is a fantastic martial artist and a great action film star. His best work is in the Undisputed series, which if you have Netflix, I recommend you check out, especially Undisputed 2, and um, which was my first uh, my first um, introduction to Scott Adkins' work. He He's done a lot of really great martial arts action films, but his Undisputed role as uh, Yudi Boyka is fantastic. So check it out. Van Damme and Chuck Norris will be in The Expendables, so Strider, you can add more exclamations to that because they will be in the next Expendables. Looks like Marvel Studios is starting to put together a sequel for Thor. According to Deadline, Marvel Studios is getting close to naming Patty Jenkins, who did Monster, as the new director for Thor 2. As of right now, Thor 2 is set for a July 26, 2013 release date. Thor, which was directed by Kenneth Branagh, made $449 million at the box office. After that, you're going to be probably seeing the next Captain America in 2014, according to Chris Evans, um, because he's signed on for six films. That would be three Captain America films and three Avengers films. So that's what you'll be uh, seeing with Chris Evans. Three Captain America movies, the first and, of course, the second and whatever third they do, and three Avengers films. He will not be popping up in any other Marvel films. So... Just so you know, Captain America is being kept only in his series and in the Avengers. You're not going to see him in Iron Man. You're not going to see him in Thor. I'm sure you will see him, but as of right now, he's only formally signed on for those for, for six films. So I figured I'd give you that. Last but not least, to close things out, some other Ghostbusters news. They are actually going to be re-releasing Ghostbusters in theaters October 13th, 20th, and 27th with one showing a day. It's going to be back on the big screen, so if you are a fan of the Ghostbusters series, um, much like they've done with The Lion King and Transformers, and they're going to be doing with Star Wars, if you want to go and get that big screen feel, mark these dates on your calendar, October 13th, 20th, and 27th. 
And you can see Ghostbusters in theaters just in time for Halloween. All right. That's actually going to wrap things up for this week. Um, like I said, next week we'll be joined by the guys from 15 Minutes of Game. Um, we got some stuff going on in October. The week of Comic-Con, which is going to be happening October 14th, October 13th through the 16th, I believe. That's that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. My Take Radio will be having um, a broadcast the Wednesday before. So just make a note of that. When the Comic-Con week comes around, we will be doing a live broadcast on Wednesday. But we'll probably be doing all kinds of crazy shit at Comic-Con the other four days that we're going to be there. Uh, between live streaming, stuff for YouTube, we're probably going to try and do some live blogging. There's supposed to be an Avengers panel at Comic-Con that's going to be happening Saturday. So hopefully we'll be able to give you guys some news on the Avengers. Um, in addition to that, I'm hoping that some of the cast will be there. So it'll be great to get some pictures of you know Robert Downey Jr., um, Chris Hemsworth, and Scarlett Johansson and those guys. So I'm hoping that's the case. In addition to that, there will be a Cartoon Network panel uh, showcasing Venture Brothers, Black Dynamite, and um, a couple of other shows. So we'll try and get in some stuff from there. I'm actually hoping to meet Michael Jai White finally in person since he had such a great time on the show. He can actually put a face to a voice, finally. So expect some really great content from us for Comic-Con. We're going to be meeting with the guys from VGN Radio that are coming up. Uh, Kevin's coming up from Cleveland. Jedi is coming in from Phoenix. They're going to be going to Comic-Con. We're going to be meeting up with them. And we're probably also hopefully going to meet with the guys from Spill, uh, DC Universe Online's podcast, Big Kev's Geek Stuff, insert geek here all those guys want to do some stuff with mtr so be on the lookout for a an overload of content during those four days make sure that you're following myself slick andrea ben bronx josh follow those guys on twitter so you can make sure that you are kept up to speed with what's going on and um also make sure to just follow the show on facebook and uh that's pretty much it with regards to that. Anyway, let's wrap this up so I won't drag the show out for you guys. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 108 for Thursday, September 22nd, 2011. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. For social media, you can follow us on Twitter twitter.com forward slash my take radio you can also follow my personal account twitter.com forward slash rich underscore m t r we're also on myspace but no one gives a fuck uh facebook.com slash my take radio for our fan page we have broke the 1500 fan mark next stop 2000 i'm not gonna sit here and talk about all the great things about 1600 1700 2000 is my magic number now folks spread the word help us get there we try to deliver the best content for wrestling mma video games movies comics tech the works and we not only do it for ourselves but we do it for you so please continue showing your support and recommending us so that we can grow and offer you tons of cool shit we are also on Formspring. I use Formspring to answer questions, whether it's about movies, games, comics, whatever. 
You can look us up on there also. It's uh, formspring.me forward slash mytakeradio. And you, know, you can ask whatever questions you want there, whether it's show-related, comics, movies, whatever. Be glad to answer them for you and share some insight on anything you are interested in learning about. And lastly, of course, if you want to take My Take Radio with you wherever you go on your mobile device, you can get our app for iOS devices in the iTunes store. It'll run you $1.99. And you can also get it for Android devices, either by going to the Amazon Marketplace or the Android Marketplace for the same price of $1.99. That'll give you access to the stereo the stereo updates for the show with full 64k stereo encoding you'll also get access to our exclusive series my take radio behind the mic and my take radio beyond the mic in addition to that we're going to be offering uh videos and some other stuff through the app in the coming weeks probably leading up to comic-con so be on the lookout for that don't get left out it's a dollar 99 cheaper than a cup of starbucks and, of course, if you want to stream MTR, you can use the Stitcher app. You can get that free for iOS, Android, BlackBerry, and Windows mobile devices as well. So you can have MTR with you. There's no excuse. If you don't use iTunes and you still want to get your hands on the show, you can get our Blog Talk Radio feed, which you can subscribe to on RSS. You can also get the feed for from iTunes, or you can look for us on the Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, blackberry podcasts um i think that's it we're we're pretty much all over the place but we're going to be making some enhancements in the future i really like i've said in previous episodes want to kind of move away from blog talk radio i'm still ironing out all the bugs and looking for alternate services as of right now btr is the only game in town that gives me what i need but who knows maybe we may not do the live format anymore and just switch to non-live shows uh, who knows? As of right now, I'm still mulling over the fate of the forums, and I'm not going to drag this out anymore. So that's going to be it. I will see you guys next week. I'll be joined by 6OK and Weasel from 15 Minutes of Game. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, folks. I'm out. Peace. The outro music for this week is going to be... Huh... I think we're going to go with the Super Street Fighter 4 by Pixie Tricks and Zircon. Enjoy. <laughs>